Check one, two, check one, two. Miami on the Rocks. Casey Chops, make sure you follow us on Instagram at MIA on the Rocks. Follow us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button today. Got a Dade County legend, a Miami legend in the building. DJ Effect. What's yes, up, my sir. brother? My Shake the Block brother. Uh-huh. What's good, bro? What up, man? Yo, for the people that don't know DJ Effect, um, bro, my the first club I ever was able to get into when I turned 21. I turned 21 and I'm like, damn, I got no plugs on South Beach. I don't know anyone out here. <laughs> There's there there's bikini bikini or there's lingerie parties happening at this place called Club Bed and every table's a bed and I can't get in because yeah. I'm 21 and I don't know anybody. I'm like, damn, bro. And I forgot how I we even met, bro. I'll keep it a buck because I was like, I was this I is I think it was through last, bro. Nah, bro, I don't think so. was it? All I remember is the first time I ever got into a club on South Beach, it was at Cameo and you got me in. That's yeah. all I remember. That's crazy. You know? That's crazy. Um so yeah, bro. And for the people that don't know DJ Effect, legend legend in the game. He's produced music, he's produced hits, he's DJed on South Beach. He's he's you know, I think you your your you've your name has remained relevant like in two decades. You know what I'm saying? Like you've you've it's crazy, bro. We we almost approaching three because when you catch a tail end of a decade into another decade into another decade, because like I think I caught my first break like out of high school, so it was like early two thousands. So like we had all of the 2000s, then the 10s, and now we're in the 20s. So it's yeah. technically almost- Oh yeah, it is yeah. the 20s now. Basic. What, wait, so when did you, because that was early 2000s, or no, that was late 2000s for me. 2008 was when I, 2009 was when I started like fucking with you, uh, going to the club and shit on the beach, right when I turned 21. But you, when did you start DJing on the, not, okay, let's not say this. When did you, not when you started, but when was the first party that you were on the beach? Like, okay, I'm at a real like- so Relevant it, party. It, it was crazy, bro. I was a freshman in high school, and there was a club called Club Cream. Shot to Rob De Niro. Um, mm -hmm. He was a is a legendary old school DJ, but he owned a club called Club Cream on the beach. And um, I used to go out there. My friend DJ Spaz was the one who taught me about like how to get records for free. This is pre Serato, mm -hmm. and he used to take me out on Wednesday nights to meet like all of these legendary record promoters. But I was a little kid, so I I, I didn't really understand how this worked. Like I mm -hmm. would save my lunch money and go to Uncle Sam's and buy records. So mm -hmm. then it went from that. So I met this dude named DJ Spaz who literally helped me change my career. And um, so he introduced me to these record promoters, but it used to be outside of this club called Cream. So I was like, I was a hungry, I was like a hungry ass kid. Like mm -hmm. I ain't carrying myself like a freshman in high school. I was carrying mm -hmm. myself like I wanted to be the best. Mm -hmm. So I used to bother the shit out of the owner of the club, which is DJ Rob De Niro or Rob uh, from Club Cream. And I was like, yo, I want to play here. I want to play here. I want to play here. At the time, there was like a... Um, a big Miami DJ named Cool G. And uh, Cool G called in sick one Wednesday. And he was like, yo, do you want to play tonight? And I was like, shit, I'm with it. I played and I did extremely well. And um, it was crazy because like I had to beg my parents, like, yo, can can I DJ at a club? And they were like, yeah, but you got to be home by 12. How old are you? Shit. High school? This is freshman year. So I guess um, I was 15, probably 15. Man. You know what I'm saying? And um, I actually made the club owner talk to my mother. It's crazy. Wow. Like I had no choice. I was, he was like, yo, your 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 son is special. He got a talent. Like, I'll put him on a Saturday so it doesn't affect where his, was where was Cream at? On sixth in Washington. Was two doors down from Club Deep, which I know you know because you were from the power ninety six. No, I never, I mean, I know I never went. Yeah. I, that was the generation that was, before. That me. was like the real hip hop club. Cause like, you know, deep and all that was like booty music. Right. We Cream was like a New York spot. So they were playing more like in that time was like the Jay-Z's and the Tribe Called Quest and then the R&B thing started happening. I remember like one of my breakthrough records and moments at the club was when Jagged Edge walked in and handed me where the party at on vinyl, like their self. Oh, that's wild. And I played it. And it's crazy because that record's still relevant today. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, but it started like at a very young age. Is this, oh, is this 90s or is this early 2000s? No, nah, this early 2000s. It's probably like, uh, no, actually no, it was late 90s. It was like 99. Was, yeah. the, was the beach at this time, because this was when the beach was 18 and up, right? So it when you- It was 18 for girls. Okay. Did it still have that? Because from what people told me, the beach was kind of college-ish back in the day. Was, but then, but then it was also you had you know Chris Pacello and there was the luxury like like upscale stuff so too, right? It was, I always said it was like a set up like an airplane, right? Sixth Street was coach class, and then once you went to Twelfth Street, you were in first class, which was like at the time level okay. level and um, liquid um, okay. cameo. That was like out of our league. Like I would DJ all the hot spots on six, but I couldn't even get in in the clubs off the. Got you. Okay. Until the transition happened, and that's when like the magic happened. You know what I'm saying? And the world's like so. So how did that transition happen? So South Beach is like the the um 
the college, you know, sweaty vibe, like DJing. Yeah. And then to get to the upscale stuff down the street, how did that happen for you? Or so, did the world just so merge? It was weird because like from the beach in 6th Street, I was doing also the Grove. I was playing like a 609 and Chili Pepper. And then um, I met this guy named Tony Major. Um, he he was a promoter, him and his girlfriend. And he was like, oh, I'm starting this party at this club called Luau. I think they changed it to People's Lounge, if I'm not mistaken. It was a little dump on, um, on Espanola Way. Mm -hmm. Tiny little club. So I played there and um, I start when I was playing there every week, there was like different people coming in like Jimmy Henchman, Peter Thomas, like all these like iconic legendary people that I really wasn't familiar with because they were the generation above me. And then uh, Tony was like, hey, man, um, I'm moving this party to to mansion, which was level at the time. It's a reggae night, but you're going to do the one hip hop set. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy because I started doing that party and. And still a kid, you know what I'm saying? Like in this big room. And then from that moment, um, I remember like one night they brought in all these big reggae DJs and that was the first time I met Khaled. And Khaled was not even on major radio yet. He was on Mix 96. Mm -hmm. So I was like the kid and Khaled was like the guy that I looked up to because I listened to underground radio more than mainstream radio. And I was like, yo, this is dope. I get to play with people that, you know, I like I'm trying to get on their level and be like. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it started. So the second I did level, I don't know what happened, man. It was just like, then from level I met Mike Gardner and um I started doing, you know, a bunch of these parties. But the 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 party that really, really, really changed my life was at the Forge. So Forge, for a lot of people that don't know, the Forge on Sunday, which was called Soul Kitchen Sundays, is what bread live on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So this party started in a steakhouse with Lewis Oliver. And um I remember I did the party for like two or three months and and um, you know, not a lot of people were going. So then randomly from like one week to the next, um, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, and Pauly Shore were hanging out at the party, but they were the only ones there. Following week, it, like this is prior to social media, so it was like in the newspaper, like Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson hang out at Soul Kitchen Sundays at the Forge, and like within a week, that party exploded. Damn, bro, isn't it crazy how that like word of mouth like that used to happen with press? Yeah, like, I don't think crazy. that can really ha can that happen today. You think? Like I don't know something to just make a party explode. Even like if Drake pulls up to let's say Santo, it's cool, but it's not like making it the hot. Like people are too jaded, man. They're too like the instant gratification thing numbed everybody. So nothing is too cool anymore. So it, it kind of made everything kind of yeah. Like nothing is like exciting. Nothing is like exciting. Yeah, nothing is exciting anymore. It's not really special. So yeah, and it's crazy to see people trying to like shock you and do shock value shit to try to create that excitement. They're like forcing right. the, to try to create the excitement because our low level for you know excitement is so on the like on the floor like right. the bar you know. So that part at that time I was like probably like 21, 22. Okay, and I'm DJing in a room with everybody that like I literally looked up to. Like Clue, DJ Clue at the time was the biggest like mixtape king everywhere. I remember Clue was he a good DJ though in the club. He um. He got amazing selection. Mm. Like he knows how to read a room and play, but it was crazy because I remember not a lot of people know this. I don't, I'm gonna say it anyway. Clue was like with Kim Kardashian at that mm -hmm. time, and he. Mm -hmm. I remember when he brought her in the club, and no one knew who she was. Mm -hmm. He was like literally first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you know it was that, and then it was the Rockefeller people, it was the Damon Dashes, it was the Jay Zs. It was every week, and that party was special because they ain't play that shit with the dress code. I remember nights when Puff Daddy would come to the door, and they were like you're not dressed right. You got to go change. And he was like, I respect that. And he would go change and come back to this party. That's crazy. So that party went on for like six years. And then the crazy thing is, it was actually just in the headliner documentary. Um, the way that Live on Sunday started was, well, first of all, Mike, Mike joined that party like later on in the game at the Forge. But then when the Forge closed for renovation, Mo, who is now with the Mo, the owner now of Gala, of Gala mm -hmm. at the time was just leaving, you know, the Opium Group and working with Group, which at the time wasn't even Group. There was, I think it was yeah. called like Miami Marketing Group, whatever it was. Went to Lewis and was like, hey, listen, it's Dwayne Wade's birthday. We got this new club. Um, you know, the Forge is closed. We need people. We need DJs. We need everything that you had at the Forge. Do you want to come just do it for Wade's birthday? This is when Wade just came to Miami. Wade mm -hmm. was a superstar. And I remember Lewis called me and Lewis was like, bro, I don't know, man, fucking club in a hotel is kind of cheesy. I was like, bro, what we got to lose? Let's just run it and see what happens. We did that night and it was iconic. And I, and I was a DJ. It was, uh, it was actually me and Don P and Don P still there to this day. And that's when Live on Sunday started. And I DJed Live on Sunday for like the first three years. But in the midst of all of that, from the Forge, the Forge landed me with like the Opium Group. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that's when I started having my name on every billboard on, on Washington Avenue. It would be, my name was on the billboard at Cameo, mm-hmm. billboard at Mansion. I was doing um, set. I was doing Mokai. I was doing Opium Garden, Privé. Mm-hmm. Like my schedule was crazy. I had the, the number one mm-hmm. schedule. And, um, you know, from that, I started, you know, then the live thing happened. And then I was doing live for the first couple of years. And then when live really started to explode, um, Opium Group put that fork in the road for me. They were like, you got to pick. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that time, it was it was kind of ironic timing because I had a lot of shit going on. Um, my first baby was on the way at this point. Mm-hmm. So so it was like five or six nights in a week with a contract making bank for a group or do I just want to stay and live on Sunday? And live on Sunday yet did not hit its like monumental shit of what it became for like the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I walked away from live on Sunday to do Opium Group and a year later, Opium Group, mm-hmm. you know, everything Damn. started falling apart. And then, then the Winwood thing happened, and I think Winwood was like my favorite. Um, you know, I, I try to reinvent like every. Yeah, that's yeah. It's crazy, you, in, interesting. You brought that up. Yeah, it's like a different. You literally reinvented your whole. You know, a lot of DJs probably because actually I know some of them that are in that generation that come from that era of South Beach, the golden era, and it's like they see some, a lot of them saw something like Winwood and had the opposite um, take on what you had. You know, like you embraced it. You're like, oh, who cares? Like. $10 beers, like we could dress however we want, like smoke, you know what I mean? It was the opposite from what you were used to, right. you know? And a lot of DJs, I feel like in that circle, you know, kind of wanted to hold on to that golden era of South Beach and yeah. not realizing that, yo, this shit is changing and, you know. I was always a big believer in Evolver to solve. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So like when I saw what was happening to the beach and but I- But a lot, I'm sorry to cut you off, but a lot of people would consider that not evolving. They would consider that like regressing. That's right. why they denied it. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, for me, it was interesting, right? Because that was the time when when clubs were promoter driven on the beach. And these clubs and these promoters, when the promoters started losing their steam, they started trying to blame everybody but themselves. And I remember when when this thing happened where they were like, you know, we want to try out another DJ because you've been rocking this room for five years and- and instead of me sitting there wanting to be Michael Jordan wearing 45, I was like, I'm taking my 23 jersey somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and and try to make... So it was funny because like these same club people, you know, tried to replace me with other DJs that were cheaper and they thought were newer. Mm-hmm. And then their parties kind of, died, you know, went downhill. And then I winded up hiring people that I used to work for that tried to get rid of me to be my subs when I went to Wynwood. And I started to wear the promoter hat. And I was like... I, I I don't want to I don't want to work for somebody who can tell me that I'm replaceable. I want to build my own shit. Right. And then the funny thing is, I'm not gonna say names, but a lot of the DJs that talk shit about me, oh, effect fell off. He's DJing in a little bar in Winwood. Were the first people that I hired to DJ my party. Mm-hmm. And I remember my arrogant side because nicest guy on earth, and I'll do anything for anybody. But my arrogant side was like, okay, hey, you know I hired you because you talk shit about me, mm-hmm. and um. Now I had to hire you and show you that yeah. you should never count anybody out of mm-hmm. anybody. Because I, I believe in myself, like, mm-hmm. and I've always believed in like reinvention, and I always believed in like you know the transition of like you can't just be one thing for your whole entire career. Right. Think about where you started and to where you're at now. If you would have right. just stayed there, like all of the people that probably wanted to see you fail, you had to prove to them that you ain't fucking failing. So that that's was, where it comes. That's where all the motivation and discipline and everything comes from. Yeah. Is because I feel like I got to prove people wrong i mean my boy checked me is like no you got to prove people right but like it comes there's that like like you know eric not arrogant but i guess not spiteful but it's just i guess i'll just call it healthy competition you know like absolutely I, you know. and you know when i when i fell in love with winwood i was like yo i got more work to do here and that's when i launched the mr cream brand and mr cream you know it started off as a joke with me and jimbo one night at, at flashback diner talking about like he was like i bet you won't open an ice cream shop damn flashback diner. yeah and, and that that bet turned into a, a multi million dollar ice cream brand. We had a we had mm-hmm. a national campaign with Puma. Puma did our merch, and you know we had an incredible run with Mr. Cream. And then when you know Winwood now is going through the same changes that South Beach went through, mm-hmm. I said to myself, now you know now it's time to graduate. Like you know we got the ice cream thing, but now you know I don't know if you knew this or not, but we're launching a steakhouse now, mm-hmm. and we're opening a steakhouse at Aventura. Like so, like it was always the entrepreneurship shit, like. Just wanting more and wanting to be more, especially mm-hmm. now. You know, I got I got a wife, I got kids, so I got more mouths to feed and more people to impress and a bigger legacy to create. Before right. my my before my legacy was trying to be like, you know, trying to impress other DJs. Mm-hmm. I lived for that, and then it was like I was trying to impress other producers. 
Mm-hmm. But when you have kids, like the only thing you're really trying to impress is your kids. You want your right. kids to be your fans. You want your kids to look at you like a superhero. You know, that that's what I wanted to become. So like, you know, that that's you know, that's kind of what's going on now with all that shit. You know, where do, where do you where do you see like so, you know, you were on the beach and then you you saw the vision in Winwood. Now that Winwood is kind of getting you know, to where it's going. What What is the next wave? What do you think is the next? So I think the next wave, honestly, man, is is the whole like, you know, um, food and beverage industry. And I feel like nightclubs are moving into supper clubs. I mean, think about your brunch party versus the clubs. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the next big wave is not an area. I, and I think Miami has gotten to a point now where, you know, everything was clicky before. Like when you thought about Hialeah, you thought about Cubans. When you mm-hmm. thought about little Haiti, you thought about Haitians. Mm-hmm. When you thought about 41st Street, you thought about Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like everybody's hanging out everywhere. You see people, I'm sure you see people in Doral that you see in Wynwood and you see Wynwood and Beach and they all right. kind of move around. And that's one of the qualities that I actually like more about Miami now. Miami's becoming more mm-hmm. of a melting pot where it's not just like everybody's clicked up in one little area and staying right. behind their fence. You know, now I feel like People are vibing with each other more. Are down to culture themselves and kind of step out of their comfort zone and kind of see what other things are like. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, you asked me about just the evolution of Miami and the direction it's heading in. You asked me if I liked it and we can unpack that now, you know, because that's such a vague question. But um, I guess the simple answer to that is... the city is growing. Can you, How can you not like the city growing? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 there's going to be things that come with that that's like whack. Gosh. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's getting, the nucleus of Miami is getting dense. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got downtown, midtown. I'm looking at it. I'm p- comparing it to like the, the growth, of, like Manhattan. You got downtown, midtown, and Lil Haiti design district that's going to be uptown, you know, and, and they're going to update the, the, the transportation. The metro rail is going to eventually go up there, you know, and so as far as the city of Miami, the nucleus, Brickell, you know, Wynwood, downtown, like in the comparison between New York and Miami, and and you know, I was I'm lucky. talking infrastructure wise, like a solo, like in that sense, you in, know, infrastructure. You're right, except we have a lot more concerns with infrastructure because of you know the weather, the hurricanes, the flooding. You know that infrastructure part kind of frightens me a little bit. But my thing that I was going to compare Miami to New York, which which will answer the question about growth, is kind of like I feel like. Miami's never really had less culture than now. And Miami, I felt for a long time, had a lot of culture. Like Little Havana was culture. Little Haiti was culture. And now it's like the developers are trying to take the culture away. Wynwood was special. Like you're Okay, let's differentiate what you're talking about. Because if you look at it from a cultural, like the, the, the people, right? It's getting more cultured, I feel like, right? Like as far as like, but you're talking about just the culture of Miami, like Miami having its own culture. Yeah, and when I talk about culture too, like till this day, you go to New York and you walk into a Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's owned by a Chinese person and mm-hmm. it's authentic. Mm-hmm. Miami's becoming kind of the thing where we have two or three or four groups controlling all of the hospitality industry, whether it's food, whether it's yes. nightclubs, and it's becoming like, and I'm Jewish, so I can say this without sounding right. weird, but right. like when a Jewish guy owns all the Asian spots and all the nightclubs and all of the Italian restaurants, right. the culture starts to become like, you know, let's- Cor- Corporate-ish. Corporate-ish, but like, let's add more glitter. Let's add more sparklers. Let's try to add so much shit to take away from the fact we just copied someone's culture, did a shitty version of it, and then we're trying to ma- you know, put a mask and lipstick all over it, which I respect the hustle and I respect that it's being pulled off, mm-hmm. but I miss the culture. I miss that whole like driving down Southwest 8th Street and you see all these dope like old school mom and pop places and now they're being, re- you know, they're being replaced with a bunch of taco bars that mm-hmm. are not owned by Mexicans and not owned by Latinos. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the big issue with that is that just everyone is not from here, bro. No, every, I, I every, that's that. the it, you know what I mean like I think because no one really takes pride of you know they're the, they'll either say you know where their parents are from most right. none, I'm gonna I feel like I'm the only one who's like yo I'm from Miami because everyone's gonna either say where their parents are from I'm Dominican I'm Colombian whatever or they're gonna say you know I'm from New York or they're gonna right. rep where they came their, their their first city you know so that's another we're just such a transient city that it's hard for us to get our identity because there's people coming in and out all the time you know i just i just always been obsessed with culture in general dog like my parents are israeli right i'm Mm -hmm. from an israeli descent the middle east i'm jewish but i built my whole career with african-americans right Mm -hmm. and i wanted to learn about african-american culture i wasn't there being a culture vulture i wasn't trying to say like i want to be black or i want to be chico or i want to be i just wanted to learn 
who my fan base was and my following, and I wanted to embrace their culture and, and try to give them the best experience I can. And I feel like that's what's missing in this new Miami. The new Miami is like these operators don't want to learn who their client is and give them the best experience. They're just trying to convince everybody that this one experience is for everybody. I don't know if that sounds crazy, but like that's kind of like my whole thing. Could you imagine if you had to go to a club as a DJ and play the same 20 records every single night for your whole entire career? Even though it's been feeling like that lately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for a long time, the reason I think why all of us stayed in the game so much like as DJs and shit was because we love the challenge of learning, right? Mm -hmm. You, you want to learn how to make a set. You want to learn how to put it together. You want to learn how to deliver the product the best way possible by learning who your audience is. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's what's changing in Miami right now. No one cares to understand what they're delivering. They're just trying to convince everybody to take the same product. And I think that's yeah. what's affecting yeah. nightlife and, and food and experience-driven shit. You know, And I feel like these younger kids now, I feel like they don't know what to like. When we were growing up, there was trends in fashion and there was trends in music. And it was kind of us to say, okay, well, this, this group of kids over here liked rock music. This group of kids yeah. over here liked hip hop. But now everybody's becoming just one gigantic identity. And it, I miss the feeling of a melting pot and seeing all the different, uh, different yeah. things come together. Yeah, you know because people just follow what's hot on social media for the moment now because of Absolutely. social media. You know, They're following like a, a quick microwave trend. You know? Of course, There's and no people are super desensitized. Yeah. Like, you know, like even, you know, not to talk about too much about current events, but like the whole thing last week with the um with the with the submarine thing. Mm -hmm. It was all memes. So, some somebody yeah. in somebody's family died. Yeah. And, and I'm fucked up because I was posting funny shit too. Because yeah. I gotta it, talking about evolving, you yeah. gotta you gotta keep up with interactions, you gotta keep up with engagement. That's the most frustrating thing, bro, is that we're in a, an attention-based economy now, and attention is a currency. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I don't care what you're going to start. If you're going to start a donut shop, a coffee shop, you're going to DJ, or offer a service, you have to be able to grab someone's attention. And if you don't have the ability to do that, you got to hire someone that can get eyes on you, then focus on what you're going to sell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, like As a DJ, I feel like my job now is more driven by trying to figure out what people want on social media than even the songs, right? Because yeah. like even the songs now, it's, like, it's weird that peak time records are the same records from 10 years ago. Crazy. It's, it, it, it's, it's super, bro. It's just weird, bro. It's the weirdest shit. We could get to some DJ geek talk, but like, it's the weirdest shit to me, bro. I don't even know what an opening set or an, a headliner set sounds like anymore. Nah. Because it went, it was weird. It went back to like opening songs or like peak, peak songs now. R&B is getting big. Old school R&B is getting big. And I just think it's because, you know, how many times could you hear Dreams and Nightmares? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's been 10 years, bro. Yeah. And, and it's like, that just means that we all got to go back to the educating side of shit, right? And I feel like we have the control to make people like what they like. And, and, and I'm not saying just as DJs. I'm talking about mm -hmm. as restaurant owners, promoters, mm -hmm. everything. Like doctors do whatever doctors got to do to make people better. Right. And I feel like that's what all of our goals should be, right? Yeah. That's why I do so much charity work. You know what I'm saying? I do, I do a shitload of charity work because like I like to understand what people are missing and try to figure out how to fill that void and make them happy. That's yeah. why I became a DJ. Yeah. Bro, the music, the, as far as the music cycle goes, it's crazy I had this epiphany. Like, because just coming from the Latin side, I wish American music would take more of like, bro, it's crazy because like in the Latin world, it's like, this guy named Alafa comes with his with his with his from D Dominican Republic, and then that he comes with his country sound, and then that sound blows up in the mainstream. You have Colombians listening to them both. Bro, it's crazy. I'm playing Mexican, bro. But this guy Beso Bluma just blew up. He blew up Mexico now. So now I'm playing fucking like Mexican regional music. They're called corridos, and it's like dun, 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 and it's people are singing them like you got Dominicans and Colombians singing Mexican music. So I think that's so dope that on the Latin side that can happen in America. You know, like. The, I guess the equivalent to that, like the American equivalent to that would be like, I tell like these Miami kids, yo, go back and, and make some, do something different. Try to create a wave. Don't be the wave. You know what I'm saying? This guy, you got people creating Mexican music now because of this one guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I also feel like it has to do with what I was just saying. Culture is everything. And the reason why the Latin shit is winning is because it's, it's culture. You know what I'm saying? Like American culture now is pop culture and they're just... What 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 inspiration can we get from watching the Kim, the Kardashians and what 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 inspiration can we get from all of these meaningless people just talking about killing themselves and like but, killing each other and shit? But like, think about it, bro. A B a B list Latin artist has more followers than an A list American artist because it's culture. It's whole countries. It's not yeah. it's not a city. It's not it's not it's not um 
you know, New York has their following and was all pop smoke in New York and yeah. then Miami was this and then LA is YG and this one. It, Latin artists are like the whole fucking country. But is what, right, right. But what I'm saying is like the Mexican guy popping could be is like the same as like the Bay Area guy popping and everyone follows the Bay Area sound or people follow the, the Mexican sound, you know, like I guarantee you find a young Miami kid that wants to do some uptempo, some updated 2023 booty booty music type shit and it blows bro you will have new yorkers you will have other people gravitate to it because it's the sound my thing is i like, create the sound don't follow the wave experiment Absolutely. experiment but that's bro. culture bro think, think, think about american food versus latin food you know just the food in general you could see the culture in the food you could identify a spanish plate from a mile away a burger is going to be a fucking burger yeah. if you look at a latin burger a latin burger is way different than an american burger yeah. and and i'm not knocking america i think america is great but it's like we are lacking culture so bad because right we, now. because we have money and money's like the the antithesis of culture that's like the point yeah. so any i feel like any place that prioritizes making money and profit the culture is gonna is gonna take yeah, a hit. Yeah, because you feel like you can just buy your way through everything, whether it's culture, whether it's not. And I don't know, bro. Like I, I think that it comes back to the education side again. We need to go back to being educators. And I tell this, I tell this to people all the time, bro. Doctors only focus on making people better, but all of us should focus on making shit better. Mm -hmm. And instead, we're dwelling on negativity. Like I was talking to Five Venoms uh, two days ago. We were having a whole talk about, you know, the power of social media, right? And we were talking about like, he was like, well, what do you think about social media is so negative? Is it the negative seeing the negative current events? I'm like, nah, it's the opposite, bro. It's everybody faking it, right? So you're sitting home, you could be laying in bed and you're scrolling and you're trying to understand how this 21 year old guy taught a course and how he has millions of dollars. We all know it's bullshit, right? But there's like that one ounce that makes you fall for it. And I think that all of the fake positivity we're seeing is creating more negativity than watching negativity. I feel like positive shit, that we know it, it's everyone's highlight reel. You could have the worst day. 99% of your day could be fucked. Mm -hmm. You're never going to post the fucked up shit. You're right. going to post that one second of like you dropping that record in the club and shit going crazy. Right. I could have a day like a, a, a month ago, my mom was in the hospital, very sick. Thought she was going to die, right? Mm -hmm. It's having the worst day ever. Fucking could have turned out to be the worst year ever. But that night I only showed the highlight reel of me rocking a party because I, nobody... Right. No, nobody wants to see the negative shit, right? We're constantly comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels. So somebody yeah. didn't know that I was going through the worst shit that day, but showing my one second highlight reel, and that's what people get jealous of. So there's a DJ somewhere saying, damn, man, fuck that guy. He's been, he needs to move over. He's too old. He needs to give me the spot. I need it. He's been 30 years rocking these clubs, like, or whatever, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that the, the, the fake positive shit is what creates all this negativity, bro. And and I and I really and I and I've even felt victim to falling for the shit that I preach on. Like I'll sit home and I'm looking at shit and I'm like, yo, how the fuck this guy got three houses and three different places and eight cars and he's doing this all off of just like an online class? What the fuck? Am, why am I DJing? And then reality yeah. snaps. And I'm like, oh, it's all bullshit. I actually yeah. like what I do. Yeah, you know. And yeah, and that's kind of yeah, it's the comparing. It's the comparing, bro. Because this country, people got way less than us and they're more happy, you know? It's our expectations. Absolutely. We, this country, we have, we're like, we're raised to have expectations and be consumers. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's it's crazy. Look at this plastic yeah. surgery shit, bro. I mean, I know it's more of like, that, that could stem from some like Colombian culture shit, but like what's happening in America, no one even knows. Like, it's crazy, like, that's, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I was, gonna, I was, gonna, yeah, I, I was like, yo, you're going to jump into that? Yeah, I mean, was, I'm down was, to go This there. was about to be two hours. But yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But like, we, we got to fix ourselves, bro. Like, you know, I, I just think that America need to move in a little bit more of a positive direction as a unit. And like, you brought, you bring impossible. it up. Impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. We have too many cultures, too many. We're not homogenous countries can do that when it's all Romanians in one country, all Chinese and everyone because they see themselves in you. And, and when you go to, uh, let's say you go to Romania, right? It's all Roma or all Russians, right? They're, you're not going to rob someone in the middle of the night because you see yourself in them. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Over here, we don't see white, black, Asian. We, we don't see ourselves in people. So yeah, it's like, right. it, you know what I mean? Like, it, I don't think it can happen. You know, that that is one of the the benefits of having a homogenous country where it's like mostly, or just a group where everyone sees themselves in each other and there's like a common respect and decency for people. Absolutely. But here it's like everyone hates each other and you have what I don't have and it's, you don't look like me and it's just. But it's, it's, but it's weird and it shouldn't be You don't be worship my God. and. Uh, 
But see, I don't I don't understand any of that because prior to all this shit, everybody wanted to travel the world to learn and see all of these other races and religions and every walk of life. And now that we're all come together, this country doesn't it. travel. I think, bro, I think this country is like 65 percent of the people in this country don't even have their passport. I know that's the, that's the big knock that everyone says about Americans is like, y'all don't know. Y'all think the whole world you seen the meme is like the whole world is just America and everything else is water. That's but how America's view. You but know? that's crazy. Yeah. So maybe they need to have like a fucking travel program to learn culture. I thought, bro, I thought about that one time. I was like, hi. And I was like, yo, if I was the president, I would incentivize people to travel. Like you could get tax breaks if you want to see other places and we'll pay for it. But it's got to be like the regular American. Bro, if you never been to Israel, you can go on birthright and go to Israel for free just because it Israel wants people to see what Israel is. Yeah. So like to me, I don't think that I, that's not, I don't think it's like far fetched because you're going to go there and spend money anyway. They might as well do that all over. Yeah. Perspective and, and, is everything, bro. People think there are poverty here. Okay. Go, like go to Colombia or like go to the Caribbean and see what real poverty is like 10, 10 ceilings and shit. Yeah. Like, no, it's crazy. You know, like people got to travel, bro. Traveling is well, super important for the culture. It's, it's important for music. It's important for entertainment. Like this whole shit too of like, you know, that TV sales are down. Like, you know, when you walk into a store- TV's go, finished, bro. I know. Anything that is live is finished. Everything one needs to be on demand, whether it's streaming music, streaming Netflix, whatever it is. The only things that are really surviving as far as live are like sporting events, like live yeah. sporting events and maybe like- and Festivals and concerts. Not even a war, but I'm saying just TV pro, like things you would watch on TV, like, oh, I got to catch this on TV. Aside from sports, because it's live, I don't see any, not even award shows anymore, really. You know, like what is, do you have to catch live? Nothing really. The award show yesterday was ass. I'm sorry. Like, I, yeah. I thought it was, it was a disgrace to hip hop. And that could be a whole other fucking. Oh, I'm out the loop. I have not seen any of. Just keep I, it that I, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep it that way. It was, it yeah. was, I was proud of Buster Rhymes for the achievement. That was a big, that was a big move. Buster was my favorite. You know what I'm saying? So that was big. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it was just a ratchet shit show. Damn. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think we can just do better. That's the thing as a culture, bro. We're like, it's we're at the bottom, bro. We're at the bottom of morality, bro. We're talking about booty holes or brown, bro. People come up to me like, yo, can you play booty hole brown? Like, uh, how, how much lower can the floor? It can't get lower than booty hole brown. Like, what is the next? I mean, see, I don't like, see, I don't see it that way, right? Because I see it, I kind of see. You see it as like a slob on my knob record? Like it's I like a fun- I also see it like, are you ladies pop your pussy like this? And I see it like, Luke, don't stop pop that pussy. Like it's all fucking gross and we need one of those records every year. I guess it's the balance then. It, it, I it's I a balancing. So we got our one nasty ass record and I, I doubt she's going to have another one. If she does, I'll be impressed. I just feel like, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like, bro, like- if all the guys are talking about like they're making music for serial killers and all the girls are like advocating prostitution in their music, like where's society gonna go, bro? It's, like you know where, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like where can, it can't? It's a race to the bottom but, now. But I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Because we have all that shit, but now these millennials and whatever the generation is after that, whatever it's called, Gen Z, Gen Z, they're vibing to Tevin Campbell. Can we talk? I think they're rebelling against this, you know, booty hole brown shit because I'll I'll keep it a buck. Brick is a perfect example. If I play Tevin Campbell, can we talk? And I play Booty Hole Brown, I guarantee. What's it called? What's, what's Pound Town? Pound Town. If I play Pound Town or Tevin Campbell, can we talk? I guarantee you that old ass Kevin uh, Tevin Campbell record is going to hit harder. So it, it's it's making me feel like everybody's like, God damn, we're tired of this shit. Like that's a good yo. The R and B's been working at Brick. What do you think at Brick is the medium age at Brick? Because I, I wonder myself, bro. I'm playing Silk Freak Me, bro, and I'm like. What is the mean, like, what's the average age of- I still think it's 21 to 35, bro. I think it's, and it's- But more, give me a number that, what's the mean? What's the average age oh, in 20, Brick? 25, I think. Okay. So but, but a I'm 25 gonna tell you, year old knowing Silk Freak Me is wild to me. I just think it's education. It's about the, the feeling of the record. The same reason why we liked it back then is why they're liking it now. I don't think, but you also got to re remember too, like with TikTok, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of records that if you're not on TikTok every day, like I try to pay attention to TikTok charts. Like when Monica So Gone Challenge happened, mm -hmm. that record catapulted Yeah. Me. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it, 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 music is kind of going back to feeling and sing along. And I feel like that's a really good fucking sign. You know, I feel like it's a good sign when, when the music kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I don't know. R, I mean, R&B is going to be R&B and the fact that people like it. I'm AI is about to change everything. How do you feel like, like producer now, if you're a rapper, you could just get AI beats made for you. If you're a producer, you could just get AI vocals made for you. Now you don't need the other party really. You know what I mean? Like, but the thing is, it's going to be like the music shit. Like I, I just feel like, okay, so like with this new restaurant project, right? I'm taking in job interviews and looking at applications. I could tell that these applications, at least 70% of the applications are AI. Cause I was looking at applications and it was like almost identical 
that somebody probably said, oh, I need a, I need a job. I need a resume build for, um, for a steakhouse because I started looking and I had 40 resumes that I don't believe that all these people came from Smith and Walensky. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you could tell by the way that it was written. I mean, I've used ChatGBT before for certain things, mm-hmm. but I feel like if they don't get a control of this shit, it, it's going to be... It's gonna be scary, bro. I mean, you you already see people's jobs are being replaced right now with something that's so new. Yeah, I feel like if you're just an average guy, you're in trouble. If you're a killer, like if you're one, if you're a hustler, like you're gonna figure this shit out. You know what I'm saying? But I the f- average guy who like, you know, AI is gonna be able to text your girl better than you, bro. You better. I spend. feel like we got the next five years to really get fucking rich because if not, you're gonna be competing with a machine that's perfect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think it's um, I think I think it's interesting. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that. We got to make the best of it. I think DJs were going to be good. I don't know. Because, 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 you know, that style of talking on the mic and like being, hey, I can't do that. They can't shout out birthdays. So, it can't, it can't, oh, it can't make your, you, you know. You just brought up a very valid point. You, I wanted to mention something before when we were talking about brick and people in the age demographic, right? What I noticed since all this inflation started happening, the clubs are packed every week, right? But you don't see regulars as much anymore. And I think it's because regulars can't afford to go out every week. Have you not noticed now when you say, if it's your birthday, make some noise, and the whole club is screaming? I feel like people are only going out now to celebrate on occasions. Mm -hmm. Anniversaries, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, and birthdays. And there's not the regulars. I miss going to clubs and seeing my regulars. Like, Remember when we first started at Brick, how it was like that congregation in the middle, and we knew whenever we played like swag surfing or some shit, the room was going to explode in a certain way because of the regulars. And the regulars made it. That's what I kind of miss. I, like I, I'm almost thinking about starting a party where everything's free, just for the whole psychology of shit. Like you're in free and you can bring your own alcohol, but we need to go back to that turn up. Like I miss yeah. that shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, do you think another thing I thought that you made me just think of is like I had this discussion too. I um, do you think this new generation? I think this new generation, this Gen Z or these new 21 college kids, I think they're like less drink. They're 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 not drinking like we nah. used to drink. Alcohol's getting a little tabooish. I, I, I mean, I mean, in a slow way, it's gonna take a minute, right? But I just see it not. I, I see alcohol sales going down and not up as I, time goes by. Because I know this may sound crazy as fuck. I think mushrooms are number one now. Yeah, everybody is microdosing yeah. in shrooms, which could be why they like the R and B because it's happy. It's being around girls. It's like that old school like uh, like Woodstock vibe shit. I mean, I wasn't around for Woodstock, but yeah. from what it sounds like, yeah, people are on on that wave and shit. But you, you said something too about, um, you said about the whole, you don't think AI would ever replace a DJ. I'm going to tell you something that my mother told me. And and I believe your mom comes from like a radio background too, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure if you ask her this, she'll, she'll say this. Bands never thought they would get replaced. And then the DJ came. And no one knew the difference because when the generation changed, that's all they knew. Mm-hmm. So- if you grew up in the 60s and 70s, I think the DJ became big in the disco era. So I'll say this. Let me let me readjust what I'm saying. The, the DJ could get replaced. The MC can't get replaced. So we're half MCs right now. You know what I'm saying? So the DJ part of us could get replaced, right? Because we're just playing music like a machine. I can see that. But you can't replace an MC. You know what I'm saying? Like, And, and every club needs an MC now. You know what I'm right. saying? I want to go back to... to um, to your style, bro. Like when I was coming up, because the Miami style was always like the 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 DJ. He was silent, rocked the party, talked with his hands, and then you had a separate MC in the club. Um, and then I remember going to your parties when I was younger, and you were doing both. You were like New York style before it's cool to to do that. Like, did you? Who was the first one? Because you know you had Mauricio's uh, legend, but he never really talked on the mic right. like that. You know, so what? made that style be okay and club owners kind of like let you do that you know what i mean it kind of happened by mistake once right so with me it was it was an interesting hybrid because i grew i'm a miami guy i grew up like like jam pony uncle al bola lover on 97.7 i was really influenced by back then the culture the, the the name was like called riding out where you would cut the music and talk over it right right so like when i was at home practicing in my bedroom i was trying to replicate that so i was riding out over music and building what i felt was like my tone of voice then so i had that that influence and then i'll never forget so when dj epps used to have a party on the beach called freaky fridays at club zen which eventually became Sobe live i was a kid i was i had to sneak in that motherfucker somehow and some weeks i would be able to get in some weeks i couldn't but the first week that i got in was the first time and remember this is prior to social media so i didn't know what a new york dj sounded like unless i went to new york he booked Kid Capri. 
Kid Capri fucked my whole life up. Like when I got when I heard him with that energy and standing there with a hundred crates of records and his mic game, I said, "Holy shit, he's got the turntable shit, and then he's got the he's got the New York tone." But then I then I was so influenced by like Miami culture, like with Uncle Al, and that shit. I was like, the next day I got home and my, my whole fucking mind was blown because I was like, "Wait a second. If I can figure out how to fucking put that and that together, I'm gonna fuck shit up. Well, I was gonna ask you, what was the difference between, you know, you know, the Miami rideout style, and then when you saw Kid Capri blew your mind, what was Kid Capri doing that the Miami rideout style wasn't doing that you were like, holy shit, this is it was two things. So the riding out, you replaced words in a song with your own words. Right, so it was right. like a vocal remix. Right. And the only reason I'm saying this is because a lot of people don't know that. What I liked about Kid Capri was how he set up a record. Where he would, you know, you know, if you, if whatever, 25 and older or whatever the fuck he said, and then he would just drop that fucking banger. Mm -hmm. And then he would, you know, he would cut shit up and play five, six records, and then he would stop the music and he would talk, and then he would start with the, you know, that old school shit like, do my ladies run this mother? And I was like, and then when hearing the whole crowd look at him and go, hell yeah, I was like, that shit works? What the fuck? Like, I was, I was blown, I was mind blown. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was kind of like, Maybe I need to talk less over the music and learn how to set these records up. And I remember that's when I was kind of doing like, I wasn't heavy in the clubs yet, but I started like kind of like introducing a little bit and then a little bit. And then I saw that it worked. And then as it worked, it got a little more. And then in the beginning, I think why I wasn't as crazy was because I was trying to, I don't want to say I was trying to be like Kid Capri, but I definitely think that I wasn't being me. So like over the time, like when I started to understand who I was and what my lane was and the type of music that I played, it was an interesting time because I'm a Miami influenced guy that got thrown into New York culture. And then remember, there was that whole wave of South Beach where it was like the whole open format era when it was like DJ AM. Mm -hmm. So for me, I guess having ADD, it worked because I was always like wanting to try new shit. And then all of these new things kind of built my whole character. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then I got kind of known for like trying to like not, not like implementing comedy into the shit talking when I was DJing. Like I mm -hmm. used to do more shit talking than like, like when we started Lap Dance Tuesdays and I was judging the lap dance contest, like I wanted shit to be funny. I wanted people to have a good time. I wanted people to laugh. So it was like a, it was a whole hybrid. And that's kind of like, I feel what worked in my DJ career was being able to do both because I was able to get thrown in a room like Club 11 where I don't have to touch a microphone and I can rock four hours straight mm -hmm. in any genre and body it and then turn around and do a room like Brick where I'm talking shit on the mic the whole night, playing hood records, interacting with the crowd. And I think that's the way to stay relevant. Like, I think you did an incredible job with the whole learning the Latino shit. That's my 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 weakest link, I think, was the strongest link you picked up. At least that's what I noticed. Because, like, my Latin bag is is the weakest. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because I'm married to a Spanish woman. Prior to my, my marriage, I was always a Spanish woman. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved Latin culture. But the music feels good to me. I just don't understand it. So it's hard to like be passionate about something you don't know what the fuck right, you're talking about. Right. A guy could be on a record talking about sucking dick. I would not yeah. know the difference. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, bro, in 2015, bro, I had a, a decision to make when I quit power. I quit power and I saw that the 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 reggaeton latin wave was going to be stronger than it was like in 07 right. like the first wave and i saw i'll never forget like i saw a j balvin in 2015 it's a it's a colombian reggaeton guy i'm like okay i'm like yo def was playing at the station i'm like yo people listen to the reggaeton again so i go i played in the club and i'm watching the the, the young the new millennial latin crowd sing all the all these and i'm like holy shit this wave is going to be big. so then i'm like okay i have a choice to make because most of the white DJs in Miami, they they ran to Broward. Like they can't do, they yeah. can't. I think I might be the only white DJ in Miami. Maybe me and Iron Lion, shout out Iron Lion. We're like the only ones left. So I made it, I was like, yo, I could either get mad at this wave and deny it like most American DJs would and like do more gigs in Fort Lauderdale or whatever. Or I could be the white guy who speaks Spanish. And I was like, bro, if I do that, that turns me into like a unicorn, bro. You know what I'm saying? That turns me into like 
something that you can't find anywhere lie. else. And I knew it would be a five-year investment. I knew it would. It was like a stock. I was like, yo, this is going to take a five years to see like the fruits of my labor. I'm going to plant the seeds. It's going to take a minute. And it's going to take a lot of dedication. But bro, I was like, fuck it. And it I paid off. I thought you were bro. fucking crazy, but now I understand the method to the madness. I didn't understand what the fuck. When you when you was like, oh, I'm moving and I'm going to go learn another language and all, I was like, what? I thought you were having like an identity crisis or some shit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But then when I saw it worked, I was like, oh, this motherfucker actually knew what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not going to, and I would be lying if I said a lot of it wasn't just tied to like wanting to get pussy, bro. Because I mean, it, a white guy speaking Spanish, bro, <laughs> it, it's like it's like fishing with dynamite. You know what I'm saying? So half of it was that. I'm and like, a DJ. bro, I'm gonna yeah, bro. I'm like, yo, because I was in Colombia trying to talk to Spanish and to, to beautiful women. I couldn't even talk to them. And I'm like, bro, I was getting tight. I'm like, bro, I can't even show my personality to this girl, bro. So I was like, bro, once I get this, and I can now I'm at the point now, like six years, seven years later, to where like I could be myself in Spanish, you know, and it's crazy to like I don't know. It's wild. I just for me, there was a disconnect with that genre of music. Like getting back to that, but you know. That was kind of the whole thing. Funny story you mentioned, Jay Balvin. When I first started playing at Club 11, it was probably like my first year there. I was doing Mondays. It was industry night. No one in the club. Some guy walks up to me and he was like, hi. And I was like, hello. Cool as fuck. He was like, my name is Jay Balvin. And I was like, cool. He's like, you got my record? And I was like, I don't. And I was being cool. I wasn't being a dick. I had no idea who he was. And that's right when he dropped. It's probably the record you were talking about. Mm -hmm. what, what probably was it? I Vamo. Ah. Didn't he have a record uh, before that? I, no, that was the first. I'll never. That was the first record from him. I was like, holy shit! Him and Jay Alvarez, and people were confusing Jay Balvin and Jay Alvarez. They both dropped, and both of them popped. The moral to the story was crazy. I had no idea who he was. I didn't have the record. The next day, I looked him up, and this is before he was popping. He already had millions of fucking followers, and his record was popping. And I remember saying to myself, I was like, damn, I really gotta like, I really gotta start understanding this other market. And I remember calling up other DJs and asking, yo, you heard of this guy? You heard of this guy? And I, and I started compiling my new wave and my new bag of reggaeton because I'd like to have the hits because I still have to play it. Mm -hmm. But like until then, I was still playing like Gasolina and shit. Like I mm -hmm. didn't know the new wave until that meeting with him that night, just getting like, you know, the introduction opened my eyes to like learning about the new wave of reggaeton. Yeah. And I brought to be honest with you, and I've said this before, I think a, f a contributing factor to why the last shit blew up so bad blew up so big is because of how whack hip-hop got absolutely that it changed like the good but when we grew up the let's say the power 96 era is the best way i can describe it like the latin girl the the lat the 23 year old latin female she would listen to hip-hop and she would listen to spanish but now i feel like the 23 year old latin girl she's choosing like right. she's she's not doing both now because no, it's one the girl the other the girl who wants to hear the sexy like latin music is not really trying to hear what fucking money bag yo you know what i'm saying like but that, I think, that's i think it has a lot to do with dancing too and i think that's why the hip-hop really rhythmic hip-hop left right. rhythmic hip-hop left pitbull left a huge dent and like he's even though he still drops records and shit like that that whole rhythmic side of all of that made a huge difference and i and i feel like you know when i see before especially in the open format clubs and with, with Latin, till this day, you go to a Latin party, everybody's dancing. Guys are up on girls grinding. That shit's still happening. You go to a hip hop party, it's like 20 dudes at one table, the bachelorette party over here. A girl, a girl tries to, a guy tries to talk to a girl and she's like, get away from me, you broke ass motherfucker. It's like that city girl mentality. It's of, battle of the sexes and it has like yeah. poisoned that culture as yes, well. I don't, I don't need nobody. You the know? girls are men now and you know, the it's, men are like women yeah. and it's like that, that's another reason why American culture and the music has like suffered is eroding too, is yeah, because the there's girls. too much gender uh, confusion. Like you know, everyone doesn't want to be themselves, like play their role. Like <laughs> yeah, that's just, a whole other. You know, but that's why when you see like the African shit popping off, the Latin shit popping off, because they still have like it's, values it's and tradition, and it's culture. It's fucking culture. That's all. That's like I, I won't stop drilling that word because I feel like culture. Anything that has culture just keeps winning and winning and winning. But that's the thing. We're creating a, there's American culture. It's some, there's cult, American culture, but it's just toxic and degrading and degenerate. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely American culture too. You know, it's and, just what and, culture you want to follow. And you know, like, and granted, like when I listen to all these Ampiano records and this, and this, you know, um, Afrobeat shit, maybe it's degrading as fuck, but because I don't understand it and the beat feels good. I'm like, yo, this, we don't know what they're saying. They could be saying the same shit. I mean, I they're don't know. They're not, they're not, they're, I don't think they they're are more, either. This is the difference in Latin culture and in African culture. You could you could sing about love. Yeah, that's true. In hip hop, you can't talk about love. No, nah. and the, Every, the average lifespan of a hip hop artist is dying within the first two three years of their fucking career, which is like in our whole generation, it was just like Biggie and Pac. Now it's like every week someone's getting popped. Yeah, it's crazy. 
crazy. And, it, and anytime we get a decent artist, like when Pop Smoke came out, I was like, yo, this shit's kind of refreshing. Boom, dead. Because these kids have no moral code, bro. They have no like, you know, it's godless. There's no like, no one's following a blueprint. You know, we're just telling people to act how you feel. You know what I mean? Nah, like, it's crazy like, as hell. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I, I don't mean, I don't know what's going to change. <laughs> I'm hoping R&B will fix some of this shit because you ain't going to murder nobody to Tevin Campbell. Yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of these records make you want to go like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Bro. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say like, you know, I, that's one of the good things about playing at, uh, cut this out, but like playing R&B at Brick. It's like, I, I know that there won't be a fight. Like yeah. at least I know a fight won't break out. Like you can't have a shooting to fucking freak me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Unless you catch a girl freaking off on another motherfucker, you catch it. But yeah. you know, that, then that could cause it, but. Bro, we've been at Brick for over 10. No, I mean, it's have not, you been 10 years? It, it's We just did nine-year anniversary. I'm at, I'm at eight or seven. I'm at, I think I'm at seven. Yeah, I remember when I first, when I first started seven. working there, it was, it was crazy how I found it. I had a meeting at Panther Coffee, and I, I, you know, I finished it in the evening, and I walked down the street, and I heard Tom LaRock playing old school hip-hop, and I walked in, and the, the fucking bartenders had like the twisted mustaches, and they were doing the whole Moscow Mule. Like It was mm -hmm. like one of those like beer gardens in... In like uh, Williamsburg, New yeah. York, and um, I remember when when uh, I called. I, think, I don't remember if I spoke to Greg or who it was, but I was like, I want a DJ here. They were like, Why? And, that, <laughs> and that's kind of how it all started. And then I remember the first night I played like a Young Jeezy record in there. The manager at the time was like, What are you doing? What are you doing? And the whole fucking crowd was getting turned up. That's and he's hilarious. like, If you do that again, you're gonna lose your job. He winded up losing his job, yeah. and I'm still there nine years later. So it's funny how shit works. It's just about reading the crowd, bro. You got to understand. How to deliver the message? That's what I'm yeah. saying. You got to understand the consumer and deliver them the product. Yeah, you know that. That's those are my my go tos. You know the culture thing and just delivering the product to the culture, bro. That's what, the main my main shit. What do you um? You see Winwood surviving? Like what do you what do you like with I, all this I residential a, stuff going on? I think it's gonna be a transition. I don't I don't think Winwood's gonna be Winwood. It'll be called Winwood, but I kind of like how Brick will change. It's more you corporate. Know? And I think it'll change. It'll get shitty for a little bit and then it'll get good. Because I remember when Blackbird was originally there and it was outdoors, it was such a cool spot. And then Blackbird went through like a weird transition. It was kind of shitty. And now I think Blackbird's one of the cooler spots in Miami because it's one of the only places where you can have every walk of life partying together and having a great time. And no one's bothering a DJ with the request. I mean, yeah, they're going to make requests and shit. But you'll you'll be there and you'll hear like all these different genres of music. Like if I have a night off and I actually want to go to a club, that's probably the only place I would actually go. Because I don't like all that foo-foo champagne fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I think it's cool what they do with like Mr. Jones and what they do at um, uh, Van Dome and shit. It's to cool. cater to the out-of-towners. Yeah, but and it's them... not my vibe. Right, like right. my vibe is knowing I could hear a Jay-Z record, Depeche Mode, Nirvana, and then Young Jeezy all in the same yeah. night, and everybody's cool with it. Whether you gay, straight, Chinese, black, right. I love that environment, and I think that it's weird, because like, Wynwood started as a cool hipster area. Then it kind of became hood. But what I think is going to happen, it's going to wind up kind of just going full circle and being like- And then it became like La Placita in Puerto Rico. Like, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I think it's now going to become the hipsters that went into tech and got money. And now they're coming back and living in those $7,000 condos upstairs and they're going to be coming downstairs. Like, yeah. I think like a Those place- 400 like, square foot condos. Yeah. I think Brick <laughs> I think brick will be one of the few places to be around for another 10 years. Just kind of how like Blackbird's been around forever. I yeah. think- we're kind of going to be like that story of like the Blackbird of Winwood. I've seen so many clubs open and close. And yeah, bro. To 10 years, like Brick is like, think of clubs that last 10 years. Is Blackbird probably at 10 years? I think right they might even boom. Brick is about 10. at 10 years. You know, there's like probably kind of one hand clubs that have been around for 10 yeah. years, bro. Yeah. That have survived that, you know? I mean, I just attribute Brick's success to, I mean, of course I'm a DJ, but I'm going to contribute it to the DJs, bro. Absolutely. You know? Like Absolutely. we don't, they, we don't switch up the DJs. We keep the formula like how it should be. Everyone has trust there. It's like a little family. I also, and, I also think from the DJs to the people that run a club, I just think like when you put locals first, you're always going to win because tourists are seasonal. And then a lot of clubs don't understand that method. And then what happens is when you go in the off season, the club dies and they wind up closing down. Mm -hmm. We survive because we, we play local music every night along with everything else. And I think that's what keeps it relevant. I think that's what worked for, Blackbird, and I think that's what works for certain clubs is like just making sure the locals feel like that's their crib, you know? Right. And I think that's important. I think it's important in any business when you, like re, like if I go to a restaurant and I ain't gonna say names, I went to one of those fancy restaurants in Brickell. 
you have a nine o'clock uh, reservation and you don't sit down till 11 o'clock and then they try to rush you the fuck out yeah. because they're trying to make sure that the tourists are taken care of. Like when I see locals from my ice cream business to now going to be the steak business and the nightclub business as a promoter, I will part the Red Sea for a local before I will for a tourist. Mm -hmm. I don't care if the tourist is going to spend five grand and the local is going to spend five bucks. That local's been spending five bucks every week for 10 years. I agree. So, you know, and I and I also noticed that's why like a lot of clubs on the beach fell because they forgot that that method. That method of like this guy, this local came out one night and spent five Gs. He came back the next week, didn't want to spend nothing. So then he treated him like shit. Yeah. Oh, well, the beach has already made it to where like locals do no, don't even want to go to the beach. Nah, like y'all treat it like, like, you know, a whole different thing now, you know? But yeah. what what um what do you got going on? What are you working on? What where's your mind at? You know, my 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 goal right now, bro, is um, you know, I have all these businesses going on, but father first, you know, well, father and husband, you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. most importantly is um the educational side of shit, man. I you know, my my nonprofit work is um, you know, one of my favorite things to do. I just got honored at Nicholas Children's Hospital, so I was super excited about that. Um, I got a brick in the ground, which is basically like when you raise over a certain amount of money mm -hmm. and you contribute to the hospital, they they honor you by giving you the brick. So that was a big deal for me because um, I just like doing a lot of stuff for the community. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, building businesses is important. You know, with you know, with the restaurant and, and reopening, Mister Mister Cream is creating more jobs in the community, and and that that's always been my goal. You know, the music thing is um, it's, it's who I am, but it's hard to. It's hard to have the same drive and energy that I had in the game when it was different. And the financials right. were different too. Right. So, you know, my whole thing is I just want to keep building more businesses and and building more jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my goal. Like if I if I know if I could change 10, 20, 30 people's lives, you know, that's why I wanted to become a promoter in the DJ on on the DJ side too. It wasn't about just controlling the vibe of the party. It was about knowing I could put other people on and get money. Right. Cause like I want everybody in my village to eat. It's real. So that that's really my goal, bro, is just like, you know, keeping keeping the money flowing in, in my circle, in my community, and making sure that, you know, all of my people got a full plate to eat. Fire, bro. You know what I'm saying? Um, plug your social media, bro. So everybody go follow you. Add DJ Effect, DJ A F F E C T um on all platforms. You know, oh everywhere. yeah, because you like you did you did um leave to New York. What yeah. made you leave to go to New York? How long were you there? It was like it was one straight year and then like another year and a half of like going back and forth. It's when it was all the transitions. Remember before when I was talking about like how when when the live thing stopped and opium group kind of fell apart. Right. I didn't know where to find myself. Mm. And um, I met this woman named Jessica Rosenblum, who was one of the main promoters from the tunnel, who was like Legend, tight with yeah. Funkmaster Flex. I remember he used to shot her out on, on his mixtapes and she heard me playing one night to live and we exchanged numbers and. I landed like all of the big New York City residencies. Like I was, I was a resident at Greenhouse at Tuesday. That was like the most iconic hip hop party. That was, um, to me, that's what changed my whole my my DJ career was being able to know that I visited New York two or three times, didn't know much about the market, and was able to go over there and literally take over the biggest parties, you know, mm -hmm. for the whole time I was there. But I remember. My big turning point for New York, it was I got snowed in my first blizzard and I had a crib here and I was like, I'm going back to Miami, fuck this. Mm -hmm. And then I got back to Miami and everything was cool. But yeah, the New York shit was-, was What did you learn from that like New York era? What, what I learned from the New York era is that, well, one thing, bro, is, is what I was saying. The one thing I loved about New York was the culture. So like being influenced by New York hip hop and then going and living in the middle of it it was dope because it was way more authentic. Like I feel like rappers and other markets that made songs about their market, it was a little bit, the, the truth was a little bit stressed. New York was very, the, the, what you heard about in those records were exactly what it was. Right. Like from the side of Puff, you know, having his whole vibe to like the Mob Deep shit, the different boroughs brought up the different types of music. And I thought right. that was super fucking dope. Yeah. And I love that about New York shit. And you know, getting to do a, a guest mix on Hot 97, which is a station that was like, to me growing up, that was like, holy shit. Yeah. But you know, it was just- I dope. flew in for one hour. I did a mixer that like, you can send it in. I'm like, no, I'm going to fly. I'm going to DJ from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. for one hour, but I'm going to do it live there, bro. Culture. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's that, and it's that picture uh, in front of that where hip hop lives. Shit, yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? With a rock, with the turntables like far apart and shit, with the fucking mixer. Like, yeah, bro. No, it's super legendary. dope, bro. Yeah, legendary. I mean, yeah, that's it, bro. You know, like, um, I think they're going through an identity crisis too, though. Of course, 
everyone is really because social media is like the market now there's no city is not the market it's the social media market everyone's just that's you know, weird as fuck thing. when you turn on a station and it's just fucking you know um drill music and fucking ice spice and pop smoke records over and over and over again like yeah ice spice is trash i'm sorry it's mid it's all mid bro it's t- it's the worst that's why hip-hop is is hip-hop we accepted mid we started accepting like low-level like fast food shit so yeah. now people's expectations and the bar for quality is on the floor bro you could burp on a song that's gonna come next let's just burp on a no, song it's crazy. do burping for 30 for two minutes and it, i will stream millions bro like it's 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 crazy, bro. It's it's all it's too gimmicky now. Bro, you know? when that record went viral with the guy going, tss, 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 you see yeah, that yeah, shit? Like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy as fuck. It's because you gotta shock people now because everything's been done. So everyone's fighting for attention. Everyone's like, "Yo, give me your eyeballs." You know what I'm saying? So to get someone's eyeballs now, it's like it's gotta be p- basically porn, booty or it's gotta brown. be booty hole brown. It's gotta be <laughs> like murder. It's gotta be fucking. It's gotta be the most. I don't know. I don't know. Toxic, you know. I, I don't know. Like, maybe we'll get to a point where if you talk about God, it'll be so shocking that, like, people start doing that shit again and it'll come full circle. I don't know. Yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, um, DJ Effect, I appreciate you pulling up. Damn, what else could we hit? Is there anything else? Um, I think we need to do another episode soon where we're just drunk as fuck and just talking all the shit that you would never want to talk and just put it out. Yeah, we could do that, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm so down for that. DJ Effect, my brother. Thank you, bro. Love, man. Yeah.